Welcome to Spring Ridge Church Podcast. We hope that you will be blessed by the podcast today. If you would like to find out more information about our church, our website's www.springridgechurch.com. You can send an email to me, the pastor, Scott Phillips, at pastor at springridgechurch.com. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. Prayer requests, questions, desire for a Bible study, or you would like some information how to attend our church or another church of like precious faith. Thank you. Enjoy the podcast. Amen. I feel like the Lord kind of talked to me in, in uh, moments and passages through the week. And uh, I got here around 7.30 this morning. I parked over here uh, on the Spring Ridge side of the building and was talking to a, a dear friend of mine. And I was walking up the parking lot. And I felt like the presence, the spirit, the voice of the Lord said to, to me, stop. And so I, uh, I, got, I waited for my friend to stop talking. Finally, I just stopped him and said, i got to get off the phone. So I got off the phone from him. And I heard an audible voice. And the Lord, through that, gave me the conclusion of my message today. Yes, Lord. And so, I want you to know the Lord wants to talk to you today. How many of you want to hear from the Lord today? Romans chapter 10 and verse 13. You can stand with me. Romans 10 and verse 13. Romans 10 is one glorious chapter in your Bible that may be the most misapplied chapter in the Bible. People reach to Romans 10 and put it in a place it doesn't belong and apply it in a place it was never intended. That's not what I'm preaching about. But there's some incredible truths and understandings that can come to us and we must put it in the context of the rest of Scripture. Romans 10 and verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes. Would you read that with me? For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on Him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in Him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher. Come on. And how shall they preach except they be sent as it is written? How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah said, Lord, who hath believed our report? Verse 17, so faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. For the next few moments of this service, I want to preach to you on a simple thought. I believe in miracles. Do you feel that way? Can you say it with me? I believe 
in miracles. You can be seated. Father, I love you today. I thank you for your spirit. I thank you for your work. I thank you for the people that are in this building and those that may watch this at a future time. I pray that, Lord Jesus, not by the words of men's wisdom, Lord God, not the cunning craftiness of simply the intellect of a human mind, I pray that Your Spirit, Your Word, and Your work will be done in every heart, and that, Lord Jesus, when we come through this message, that there would be something deposited in our hearts that would prepare us for what You want to do in the coming days. And everybody said, in Jesus' name, let it happen for me. I believe in miracles. This book that I have here on this holy desk is the Word of God. From Genesis 1 and 1 that says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The first chapter, the first verse, to the last chapter and the last verse. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. This book is a book of miracles. Whether it is the birth of light or whether it's the conclusion of grace, I stand here today by the mercy and grace of God. And if the devil would have had his will in my life, I would already be dead. Or I would be locked up in a padded cell. Or I would be in some other place. But today I stand by the grace of God. Not by my own strength. Not by my own holiness. I stand here today because He's merciful not to give me what I deserve and graceful to give me things I could never earn. I believe in miracles. Can you say that with me? I believe in miracles. I, I hope that that's something that would become a mantra for you in the coming days. I believe in miracles. When you get a bad phone call, you get a big bill, and you feel a, a, a curious pain, and you were dealing with the troubles in life, if the Lord can engraft this attitude into your life, I believe in miracles. Somebody say praise God. God. Romans 10 and 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This morning my goal is to strengthen, to create, to build up, and speak the Word of faith to you today. In 2 Kings chapter 8, beginning with verse 1, the Bible says, Then spake Elisha unto the woman who's... Actually, I'm ahead. I've got to turn it over. That's my last scripture. 2 Kings chapter 3. Uh, don't want to get ahead of myself. I'd hate to get through my sermon too soon. Wouldn't that be terrible? <laughs> Hallelujah. 2 Kings chapter 3 and verse 11. Everybody say 11. 11. Oh, thank heaven for 7-11. Iowa got married 29 years ago to the most wonderful woman in the whole world on July the 11th. And I, on this moment, I'm going to stop and say, I thank God for 7-11. Oh, thank heaven for 7-11. Amen. Amen. I have had a blessed life, a graced life, a helped life because the Lord brought this wonderful, godly, praying woman into my life. 
Amen. I know I can stand up and testify. She is the most devoted woman I know because there may be more devoted women, but there's only one woman I live with. And everybody say, thank God. And she is a devoted, prayerful, faithful, diligent woman, full of patience and long-suffering for all of the boys, including me, in her life. And I just tip my hat and say, I love you, baby. Oh, thank heaven for 7-Eleven. Somebody say, praise God. 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 11, But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not a prophet of the Lord that we may inquire of the Lord by him? And one of the king of Israel's servants answered and said, Here is Elisha, the son of Shaphat, which poureth water on the hands of Elijah. And Jehoshaphat said, The word of the Lord is with him. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. And Elisha said unto the king of Israel, What have I to do with thee? So he looks at the king of Israel and says, I ain't got time for you. <laughs> Get thee to the prophets of thy father, the prophets of thy mother. Everybody say false prophets. And the king of Israel said unto him, Nay, for the Lord hath called these three kings together to deliver them into the hand of Moab. And, and Elisha said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before whom I stand, surely were it not that I was in regard to the presence of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would not look toward thee nor see thee. Amen. Elisha had discernment. Everybody say discernment. We need to pray that God gives us discernment. Everybody that comes to you that wants you to pray God's blessing on their life, you don't need to bless everything because God can't bless everything. Uh-oh. Right. God can't bless a life that's given to sin. You want to be blessed, you know, people come and they say, Pastor, I want you to pray that the Lord bless me. Uh, 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 Brother Willie, you pray the Lord will bless me. I just want to be blessed. And the truth of the matter is, I can't bless something God cannot bless. I can say the words. I can look to God and ask. But God doesn't bless mess. Some people say, oh, I want to get out of the mess I'm in. Oh, I want to be blessed. But we must understand there are some things God can't bless because it is contrary to His nature. But when we decide, hey, I want to be walking and talking and thinking and living in accordance to God's Word, that's a life that God will bless. You don't have to pray for God to bless you if you live in a way that God will bless. When your ways please the Lord, the Lord will bless you. You don't need to chase a blessing. You just need to fall in love with the blesser because I'm telling you, when you will do what you know you need to do, the blessing of the Lord will overtake you. Somebody said amen. amen. And so Elijah had discernment and he knew I can't pray for God to bless the king of Israel. But I will because of Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. I, 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 will, I will pray. And he said, now bring me a minstrel, a, a musician, a, 
a singer, and it came to pass that while the minstrel, the musician played, that the hand of the Lord came upon him. There's something powerful about music. Can somebody say amen? If you feel disconnected, if you feel carnal, if you feel cold, if you feel like you can't get through to God, I can tell you get some Holy Ghost music playing. And it doesn't matter how you were feeling beforehand. If you get in the presence of music, music can help you get in a mindset to worship God. And in not very long, music can put you in a mental state of mind to where you can get your heart in a place where you can hear the voice of the Lord. And the prophet said, okay, bring me a musician. And while the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon the man of God. And the man of God said, Thus saith the Lord, make this valley full of ditches. I could just I could see the kings of Israel. They look at each other. We pray for a blessing. We pray for deliverance. And you're telling me I gotta dig a hole? That's crazy. Do I look like a fool? But somebody amongst them said, uh, uh, "Listen to what he's got to say." For thus saith the Lord: Ye shall not see wind, neither shall ye see rain. Yet that valley shall be filled with water, that ye may drink both ye and your cattle and your beasts. And this is but a light thing in the sight of the Lord. He will deliver the Moabites also into your hand. And so they knew, Jehoshaphat in particular knew this was a man of God. And so they were willing to do something that was not logical. And so instead of swords, they had shields. And maybe they got the edge of... No, they had shields and swords. Maybe they... I mean, how many... How, how many shovels does an army bring to battle? I'm sure they bring some shovels. So they used the tools they had, whether it was a sword into a plow, uh, whether it's a shield into a shovel. We don't know what they did, but the Bible says they filled the valley with ditches. Even though what they were praying for wasn't some hard work to do, because the Lord said, dig a ditch, a ditch I will dig. Say that with me. If God, if God says dig, give me a shovel. And so there they were in a precarious, dangerous situation where it looked like they would be destroyed. But because of the Word of God, they got them shovels. I did wash this off. And they began to dig. Ten shovelfuls, yeah. and they dug twenty shovelfuls, and I don't know how 
this young man a hand. They dug and they filled the valley with ditches. And I could just see them sitting there by their shovels, dirt on their brow, dirt in their fingernails, dirt all over their shoes, dirt all over their swords, dirt all over their shields. And all they had when they got through was ditches. But in the night, with no rain, water started flowing through the valley. And when that water had flowed through the valley, the scripture gives us to know that it wasn't a constant flow. It was a moment and it was gone. But that water that flowed through that valley was retained because someone dug a ditch. How many of you have been blessed? And just a little bit while after the Lord blessed you, there wasn't no evidence of the blessing? Why is that? Because there was a blessing that flowed through the valley, but there was no place for the blessing to stay. And though it was good to smell the water, maybe they reached down and drank a little water while the water flowed through there. But after the flow, there was, would have been no water except for the ditches. Can I tell you that the work of the Lord comes to us in seasons. The Lord blesses us in moments. The Lord talks to us in the night. The Lord will touch you at different individual moments. But how we retain what God brings is we have to create some crevices. We have to create some containers. We have to create some indentions in our life so that when the blessing comes, we have the ability to hold what God has given us. And you know how you do that? You read the Word of God when you don't feel it. You pray when you don't feel it. You go to church when you don't feel it. You do what's right when you don't feel it. And you dig and you dig and you dig in the dry, in the drought, in the famine, when there is no rain and there is trouble and enemies breathing down your neck. You keep on digging because if you'll dig ditches in your valley, there's coming a flow from heaven and it will fill and you will have something to water your sheep and your goats and your cows and your dogs and your kids and everything in your life will be able to benefit from the, the flow of heaven because you dug a ditch. Everybody say, I believe in miracles. How many of you believe in miracles? I want to challenge you today. You need to fall in love with your shovel. You need to learn how to dig when it's dry. You need to learn how to dig when it's low. You need to learn how to dig when the devil's on your trail. Because whether you have victory or not isn't whether God will move. Because God will move. But you got to make a, pay, a space and a place for the blessing of God to stay when the blessing of the Lord has departed. Come on now. I believe in miracles. Amen. Somebody said amen. amen. But I also believe that you have to be willing to fill your valley 
with a ditch. Amen. See where I put this. Not spinning. Uh, uh, Brother Brody, you did such a good job with the elevator. Come up here. I need you. Where's my? Uh, there, there's some glasses over there. You can get them for me. You just sit there and wait for me to call you. Second Kings chapter four and verse one. Now there cried a certain woman of the wives of the prophets unto Elisha, saying, Thy servant, my husband, is dead. And thou knowest that thy servant did fear the Lord. And the creditor is come to take unto him my two sons to be bondmen. And Elisha said unto her, What shall I do for thee? Tell me, what hast thou in the house? Say this with me. What do I have in my house? What do I have in my house? And she said, Thy handmaiden doesn't have anything. Comma, except a little oil. Can I tell you, there are times in your life when you don't have much in the house. But I would say to you, if you're sitting in this place, you're sitting in this place because you have something. If not much, you got something in the house. The Lord has answered a prayer. The Lord has touched your body. The Lord has protected you and preserved you. And somewhere you might have to dig through it all. But there's some oil in your house. Everybody say, my house. I have some oil. I may not have very much, but I have a little bit of oil. The man of God said, the last sinner, what shall, uh, verse 3. Then he said, go borrow the vessels. Abroad of all thy neighbors. Everybody say empty vessels. Even empty vessels. Borrow not a few. When thou art come in, thou shalt shut the door upon thee and upon thy sons, and shalt pour out unto all those vessels, and thou shalt set aside that which is full. So she went from him and shut the door upon her and upon her sons who brought... Who brought, set them up one by one right beside each other. There you go. Set them up. When you get them all set up, well, you got to make them where they hold water. There you go. You know, it's possible to have a vessel that has the potential to hold something, but it won't hold anything because it's upside down. My Lord. I feel something. Oh, but you know, Jesus loves me. I love Jesus. But you're upside down, brother. You have positioned yourself where you're not able to receive or retain anything because you're upside down. What does the Bible say about the apostles? They were those who turned the world right side up. The world was put in a position where they were able to receive something they could have never received before. What, why is that? Because sometimes the things we learn from our fathers and our mothers and our friends and our peers, they cause us to be unable to receive what God has for us because everything we think we know and think we learn and think we think about stuff, oftentimes it's wrong. And this wrong kind of thinking will make our mind, the Bible says the carnal mind is the enemy of God. 
So what do you got to do? You got to open your mind. Everybody say, Lord, help me to open my mind. Come here, son. I want you to get that vessel. I want you to, I want you to fill up those cups. Amen. And so I can just see that, that while the door is shut, she and her sons, they began to pour out the oil. They poured and filled one vessel, and they poured and filled two vessels. He's doing a good job. They, they poured and they filled another vessel, and they poured and they poured and they poured and they poured, and they reached a point where they, were, they had filled the last vessel. And the oil, thank you, buddy. You go sit down. Thank you. I need some water. That's, that's good for another 10 minutes. They poured and they poured and they poured. Here is a woman who had dedicated her life to be in the, in the life of a man dedicated to the Lord. They had labored together. They had prayed together. He was a prophet. And if you, if you yield yourself to God, God will ask you to do sacrificial things. God will oftentimes ask you to give sacrificially. And it is true on, on, on multitudes of examples. Men and women have given their life to the Lord and they reach an age of... of, of, of uh, advanced age and, and they reach a point where they're not able to do the things they had, could do before and they're, they're broke. Why'd that happen? Because when you extend your life to ministry, you find yourself helping people. I had a conversation with someone recently and, and I told the person, I said, you think that everything that God's doing in your life is about you. I, I told him, I said, but do you know why the dead sea's dead? The Dead Sea's dead is because the Dead Sea doesn't give out anything. It only receives. And it's always the end point of everything that comes into it. And everything that comes into it dies because it doesn't come out of them. And so here is a woman. The debtor has come. The, 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 the bondman has come. The, the, the tax collectors come. The bill collectors come. And she is desperate. She goes to the man of God and says, Hey, I need some help. Notice what the prophet did not do. The prophet did not go into his pantry and get a bottle of oil. He asked her, What do you have? I want you to take what you've got and I want you to find as many vessels that are empty. And I want you to dedicate yourself to filling up empty vessels. And when you fill up empty vessels, it has a way of causing the flow of God to continue in your life. You want God to bless you and you want to have a continual flow, be sure there's always something and someone you are pouring out of you into someone else. Because as long as you're pouring, God's going to provide a flow. As long as you're praying, God is going to provide a flow. Don't just pray for your kids. Don't just pray for your family. Don't just pray for your neighbors. Don't just pray for the people that you love. Pray for your enemy. Pray for those that do you wrong. Be willing to see the fact that God may use you to be an intercessor for your enemy. 
man. I don't have this text, but there's another miracle. There was a time when the prophets came and they, uh, they, had, they were building a house, give them a bigger place to live. The Bible says there's a pot and they had gathered a bunch of roots and various things and, and they had this pot. They're going to feed everybody. They were having dinner on the ground. Come on, somebody. They were going to have an eating meeting. They're going to have a fellowship. We're all going to get together and have some good food and good fellowship. Praise God. God's going to be blessed. But the Bible says that when they got the food ready, everybody say they were prophets. Everybody say they feared the Lord. But in spite of the fact they were prophets and they feared the Lord, somehow or another, death got in the pot. And they began to be in pain. That they began to have gastral pain. Have you ever had have you ever had stomach uh, food poisoning? They were hurting. They were hurting. They went to the prophet and said, Prophet, help us. There's death in the pot. The prophet, the Lord gave him an inspiration. And the Bible says that he put flour in the pot. Everybody say flour. 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 He put flour in the pot. And when he put flour in the pot, the pot was healed and everyone could continue to eat and it wouldn't kill them. Everybody say miracles. Miracles. It was a miraculous substance put into a deadly situation and they were healed. Everybody say flour. flour. Bread is the staple of life. Give us this day our daily bread. Uh, bread is has been, since there have been men, a staple of living. The children of Israel, when they were in the wilderness, they made bread from the manna. It was the flour that he put in there. And I would say to you that flour is the basis of bread. One of the simplest kind of bread you can make is flour and water, right? You flour and water and some other things, but flour is the stuff that makes the bread. You can have the you can have water and you can have butter and you can have yeast. If you don't have flour, you don't have bread. I know some low carbs cheap. That's all right. It's not bread either. <laughs> you put flour in the pot, and the pot was healed. The Bible says, beware, lest any root of bitterness spring up and defile many. One of the greatest tragedies and difficulties that you will ever face is when you begin to deal with bitterness and unforgiveness. Trust me, I've been cheated. I have been mistreated. I have been abused, scorned, talked about. Come on, somebody. I've been betrayed. I've been disappointed. I have had my feelings hurt. I've had people uh, uh, say mean things to me. I've, I've had people say things about me behind my back. And everybody say, welcome to the party. Say it. Welcome to the party. Everybody has that happen to them. But the difference between people that will be saved 
and those that will be lost isn't whether they have been done wrong. It's what you do with the wrong you had done to you. How many of you believe you can't be saved without faith? The Bible says, without faith it is impossible to please God. If you don't have faith, you're going to, straight to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. Without faith, you can't be saved. But I would say to you, I can prove it in Scripture. I'll just state it emphatically, and you can go study it and find it yourself. Without forgiveness, you're going to go straight to hell. Do not pass go. Do not collect $200. You have to recognize that, 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 that faith in its purest form is when we exercise forgiveness to everyone that does us wrong. Because forgiveness isn't about them. Forgiveness is about us. Why would I allow someone to put trash in my car and me carry that trash in my car and stink up my car? Amen. And leave it in there and leave it in there because somebody put trash in my car. I am going to take the time to stop by the dumpster and I'm going to take my trash out. I'm going to take your trash out. I'm going to take every bit of trash out of my car. I don't care if it came from Raisin Cane's. I don't care if it came from Margaritas. I don't care if it came from Chili's. If somebody leaves trash in your car, you're going to get flies in your car, worms in your car. Your car's going to stink. But it is, it is unwise. It is foolish, if I may say. It's allow people to put trash in your car and drive around and think, I, can, I can't believe they put trash in my car. I can't believe I put trash in my car. I can't believe I can. And before long, you start smelling like the trash. And that is the death that gets put in our pot. I, I, I would say to you, that it only took one person to put a poison root in the pot and the whole pot was corrupted. Everybody said it only takes one. I, I have to tell you, I have been poisoned by other people's problems. I have been offended by other people's offense. How many times have you and I allowed other people's bad experiences with an individual that we don't know from Adam? And we hear about Joe Blow and Joe Blow uh, told Sally of the what for and Joe Blow uh, 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 stole $5 from you. Uh, Joe Blow did this and Sally did that. And, and, and you go around and, and people can have a strong opinion about Joe Blow and Sally. But they don't know Joe Blow and Sally. But when they meet Joe Blow and Sally, they're like, man, I can't believe they did that. And the truth of the matter is, every one of us have been the perpetrator of wrong to other people. Because the truth of the matter is, you have cheated, you have mistreated, you have abused, scorned, and betrayed somebody. At least they felt that way at some point in your life. How many of you can say, I have sinned and come short of the glory of God? I haven't always done right in every circumstance. Oh, the preacher. Man, y'all's preacher is terrible. He said that he lied on somebody. Cheated. You know, sometimes when you only tell half the story, 
Come on, somebody. What, what, what's the, what's, what's the, the truth about there, there's his side, her side, and... Flour healed the pot. Say that with me. Flour healed the pot. I would say to you that in our Christian walk, the flour that makes bread is love. The Bible says faith worketh by... What's it say? Faith worketh by... Well, it says that too. Faith worketh by love. Everybody say faith works... By love. One of the greatest acts of faith we will ever do is to love people in spite of themselves. Because that's what Jesus did for you. The Bible says that while I was yet in sin, Christ died for me. And I'm, I'm with you today. One of the greatest miracles that has ever happened in my life is when Jesus forgave me. I want you to just imagine for a minute, all of us have an event or an act or a thing that we did that we're ashamed of. And I want you to just think of for a minute, only you, it's, and you saw that on the screen. No one else can see it, but you can see it. It's on that screen. I can tell you, the grace of God is great enough to forgive you for what would be on that screen. Whether it's one thing or a thousand things, or a million like many of us, we have, there's been days and weeks and months and that we haven't prayed, we haven't repented, we've turned our heart, our mind, our soul off from God, and we've done everything to get away from the voice of God. We've unplugged ourselves, unplugged our families, unplugged our hearts. And we have stayed in a distant place because of condemnation, because of hurt. But I want you to hear the voice of the Lord today. The Lord loves you enough to help you have peace with all of the hurt and the disappointment and the failure you've had in your life. I want us to take a minute right here in the name of Jesus. You can bow your head, raise your hand. Lord Jesus, I ask you to forgive me. Oh, God, forgive me, Lord, for the hurt I've carried. Can you pray out loud, Lord Jesus, forgive me, Lord, for the wrongs I have held. Forgive me, Lord Jesus, for the wrongs I have done, for the words I've said, for the things that I've done, the places I've went, for the things I've missed. Lord God, the good I knew to do and I didn't do. Lord God, forgive us today of all of our sins. Forgive us for our failures and our faults and our doubts. Forgive us for our fears. I pray, oh God, today for your gentle mercy in my life. Forgive me today, oh God. And help me, Lord Jesus, to have peace and grant forgiveness to everyone that has done me wrong. In the name of Jesus, I release it. I relinquish it. I ask you to let it go. You know, I remember a time, and I'm going to say this, and I don't intend to embarrass anybody. But I remember one time I was just a, I was just a young, young preacher. I had just uh, been pursuing the ministry for. A, a, a year maybe. And in prayer one day, I was reading the book of Isaiah and it talked about 
Instead of the thorn, the myrtle tree will come. And instead of this, this will come. And, and while I'm reading this, many of you will know what I'm talking about. I began to feel the presence of the Lord. Every goosebump I could have, I had goosebumps on top of goosebumps. My hair was standing up on my head. You know what I'm talking about? I mean, the Lord was talking to me. And the Lord said to me, there is a generational curse in your family of bitterness and unforgiveness. And, and I heard it, I heard it, I heard it as, as strong as I have ever heard anything. And I got through weeping, I got through praying, and I got up from that place and I said, I'm going to go home and I'm going to pray that the Lord would heal my family of this root of bitterness. And I went home, and for two or three hours, I prayed with someone, and I talked to them, and I prayed with them, and I talked to them, and I prayed with them, I talked to them, and I prayed with them, and, I, and for about three hours, we prayed, and we cried, and we prayed, and we cried, we prayed, and we cried, and the Lord delivered someone in my family from the root of bitterness, and I know that person from that day till this day has been changed because the Lord delivered them from something they inherited was given to them by somebody else and I know sometimes we can receive bitterness, we can receive hatred, we can receive doubt and fear from someone in our family and it just infects us and it becomes a part of the way we see the world and I'm telling you today the Lord can deliver you from the root of bitterness, from the spirit of offense and I want you to know today that when it happens it'll be the best day that's happened in your life and God is willing to do that for you if you're willing for him to do it for you can we ask the Lord Lord in the name of Jesus I pray for every seed every root of bitterness to be ripped out of my heart to be ripped out of my soul in the name of Jesus help me to see clearly that I may do that which is pleasing to you and everybody said in Jesus name amen you might need a shovel but it's worth it Amen, that went in my notes, but that's free. Second Kings chapter four is my final is my final scripture. Actually, it's Second Kings chapter eight. Everybody say praise God. It was what I'm about to read to you. I got out of my truck. I was walking up this parking lot up this hill, looking towards the church, into the sky. I heard the Lord tell me to stop. I stopped. T told my brother on the phone, I got to go. When I got off the phone, I heard an audible voice. And it was my Bible app from my phone. <laughs> but it was as real to me as if it was the voice of the Lord. And this is... When I heard it, I knew I was going to preach about Elijah today. I knew I was going to preach about miracles today. I knew that. So I was listening through the Bible, and my friend called me, and I picked up the phone, and it stopped reading to me. And when I got off the phone, this is what the Bible, the text said. 2 Kings chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. Amen. Then spake Elisha unto the woman. Whose son, whose son he had restored to life, saying, Arise, go, thou and thine household, and sojourn wheresoever thou canst sojourn. 
For the Lord hath called for a famine, and it shall also come upon the land for seven years. Everybody, seven years, a famine. And the woman arose and did after the saying of the man of God, and she went with her household and sojourned in the land of the Philistines seven years. And it came to pass at the seven years' end that the woman returned out of the land of the Philistines. And she went forth to cry unto the king for her house and for her land. And the king talked with Gehazi. So she's coming to the king. I want you to see this. She's not at the king yet. She's going to see the king. She's leaving the land of Philistine. She went there because the man of God said, Go, famine's coming. You do the best you can, but get out of here because trouble's coming. So she left the land of God. She left everything she had, and she went and sojourned in another place because the Lord told her to. When she got back, everything she had was gone. Everybody say it was all gone. So she determined, I'm going to go see the king about all my stuff I've lost. And so while she's coming, the king is talking with Gehazi, the servant of the man of God, saying, tell me, I pray thee, all the great things that Elisha, the man of God, had done. And it came to pass as he, Gehazi, was telling the king how he had restored a dead body to life, that behold, the woman whose son he had restored to life, cried to the king for her house and for her land. So here's Gehazi. Here's the king. Gehazi's telling the king about this woman whose son's life was restored. And while he's telling the king about this woman whose child was resurrected, here comes the woman in the door. And she comes in the door and says, Oh, king! I need my land. I need my stuff restored. I've lost it all. I've been in a famine. I've been away. I've lost everything. Hazab standing there looks at the king and says, You're not going to believe this. That's the woman. That's the woman whose son was resurrected. The king looks at Gehazi, and the king looks at the woman, and it came to pass. Let's see here. And when the king asked the woman, she told him, so So the king, everybody say the king, appointed unto her a certain officer saying, read this with me, restore all that, everybody say was, all that was, restore all that was, everybody say was. I can preach to you about was and what was in my life. I've had some good things happen. But there are seasons and there are years of famine that come in our life. And we come from uh, trouble. We come from a place of captivity. We come from a place of famine. And when we come to ourselves and we get to a place, we realize, I have lost everything. Who am I going to go talk to when I've lost everything? And you know what 
what's amazing about the God that I serve is he's able to orchestrate events and he just happened to put Gehazi beside the king and Gehazi just happened to be telling the king about her stuff and here in the in the hearing of the king Gehazi is sharing a miraculous memory with the king and here she comes through the door has lost everything and everything in fact the Bible says restore all that was hers everybody say and and all the fruit of the field since the day that she left the land even until now I want to tell you today the Lord knew your name and he knew your address and he knew your situation and you may have been living through some famine and you may have lost some things but I'm telling you if you'll take it to the king and you will call upon the name of the Lord the Lord is able to speak for your behalf and everything that was lost in the famine God can return it all the way to the last ear of corn to the last cluster of grapes he can restore it all come on somebody let's stand together amen I, 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 I strive and desire to preach what God is saying every time I preach I don't go to the internet looking for my sermons. I don't look for other preachers looking for sermons. I don't read books to look for sermons. I believe the Lord is big enough to use a simple, dumb, ignorant man like me to share with you the Word of God. I am but a vessel. I am but a shovel. I am but a tool in the hand of God. And I want you to know God loves you enough to speak to me in the middle of that parking lot and give me this verse to tell you you may have been going through some hard times you may have had some trouble but if you will seek the face of the king God will not just give you a little uh, a stimulus package God won't just give you a little bit to make it through the day but if you will commit your ways to the Lord and you will lean on him with all your heart and you will say Lord if I ever served you in the past I'm going to serve you more if I've ever prayed in the past I'm going to pray more because I I believe you are able to restore everything to me. But it's going to take some diligence. It's going to take some fervency. It's going to take some determination. 